Chapter 25, Susie Divine, It was only a matter of time before the shadow of Woodmont darkened my life again. I'd all but forgotten about the loose ends still waiting there for me, my mom and Susie. It was 1975, nearly eight years since I'd run away, when Mother Divine called. We have a problem, Tommy, she said. It's your sister. She's gotten into some trouble here, and she needs to go back to California. I hadn't seen Susie in nearly ten years. The last time our paths crossed she acted like she never wanted to see me again. What I was about to learn about Susie's journey made it clear why she was so cold towards me. Unfortunately, Susie didn't come out of the movement as well as I did. The trauma that she went through in changed and silenced her. She would never be able to tell her full story. In order to find out what happened, I've had to go through her letters, and listen to stories from former members. The following is what I could discover about what happened to Susie. In 1962 when Susie was almost three years old she too was abandoned by our mother. She was left at the famous Philadelphia Divine Lorraine Hotel. Within hours of her arrival she was torn away from me and locked in a hotel room, all by herself. Susie didn't know I was on a different floor, also in a room with a bolted door, being kept away from her. She didn't know I spent the night walking in circles trying desperately to get to her. The next morning she awoke in the hotel room wearing the same clothes she had on the day before. She was brought downstairs by a woman she had never met. The woman stopped Susie before they reached the bottom step, knelt down, met her eyes and warned her, You are about to see your brother, but you cannot touch him. Boys and girls can never touch. We were ordered into the back of a waiting limousine. Susie cried and whimpered that she wanted Mama, and I tried to be brave and said we were going to find her. When Susie saw the big house she thought we were at one of her favorite places on earth and said, Look Tommy Disneyland, this is not Disneyland. The driver said sternly. This is Woodmont, the mount of the house of the Lord. The car continued down the driveway rolling slowly in front of the magnificent house. As the car came to a stop, the doors were open from the outside Susie got out on the driver's side and saw a dog with long smooth hair beside the car. It looked just like Lassie, the brown and white dog from her favorite TV show. She was excited to pet the beautiful animal. But the dog lunged at her clamping down on her ankle. She screamed and fell to the ground and blood gushed down her leg, I got out of the car on the passenger side and ran to Susie. I kicked the dog again and again until it scurried away. I started to pick Susie up when a woman yelled at me, don't you touch her. She jumped between the two of us and scooped Susie up, I could hear Susie screaming as she was taken away, am I going with my brother? She asked, no, the woman said. You're going somewhere else. I want my mama, she cried. She doesn't want you anymore, the woman replied, stay here, and don't be any trouble. When she returned she told Susie they were leaving now, what about Tommy? He's staying here. Susie was taken to a car waiting at the side of the home. She was placed in the back seat and told nothing of where she was going. They passed several shiny black limousines that were arriving. Susie was in the only car leaving the property. They were driven to 1430 Broad Street in Philadelphia. Near one of the Peace Mission churches. The home was four stories tall, 
with three different arched balconies that overlooked the street. Cast in the red painted plaster of the home were busts of fierce-looking lions. The first-floor arched windows and towers were decorated with stained glass. The home was designed by William Decker in 1891 for Charles T. Ellis who was known for building the trolley lines. Ellis was found dead in the house of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in 1909 and left his $4 million dollar fortune and the home to be used to create a charity home for white fatherless girls. In 1952 Divine purchased the house and continued to use it for the few daughters of people in the Peace Mission. The city records of Philadelphia said the Peace Mission claimed it was used as housing for out-of-town guests. The woman from Woodmont brought Susie up the steps to the front porch where she was met by a light-skinned African-American woman. The woman bent down to meet Susie's face, Peace Susie. My name is Cola. I'm going to be caretaker, she said. What's your name? Susie. She replied shyly. The woman from Woodmont talked to the other woman before Susie was brought inside. The house was well kept, but not updated. It still used gas lamps instead of electricity to light the rooms. There was a piano but no television. The only book on the shelf was the Bible and copies of the New Day, the Peace Mission newspaper. Over the fireplace was a picture of a black man with a bald head and red flower in his lapel, Father Divine, that's God, Cola said. You are a lucky one. You were chosen to be close to God. Cola walked Susie through the house where she met the three other girls who lived there. They were all a few years older. This is Linda, Tina, and Sonia, Cola told her. They are all lucky like you. Their parents chose to give them a better life in the service of God. Sonia is the oldest, Kola told her pointing to the tallest girl with the dark hair and round cheeks. She will mentor you. I want my mama, Susie sniffed, she's in the service of the Lord. Now, Kola told her gesturing to Father Divine's small picture hung up in the girl's room, I want my brother Tommy, she cried, he's with God now, Kola told her. There's no greater joy than to be in the presence of Father. Show Susie around, Kola said to Sonia. I have to make dinner. Sonia showed Susie to the girl's room. She had no bags with her. The beds were all simple and small with plain covers and pillows, no prints. The only picture on the wall was Father Divine. The windows were large. With window seats that looked out over Broad Street. Susie noticed all of the girls were wearing skirts. Sonia took an outfit from the chest of drawers and held it to Susie, this will fit you, and it's not covered in blood. She helped Susie get dressed. The only pretty dresses were hung in the closet next to the chest of drawers. They were red jackets with white V's and blue skirts. Susie pointed at them and Sonia said, those are only for rosebuds. One of the other girls said. You only get to wear those if you are pure and chaste and are a true believer of Father. Susie had no idea what any of those words meant. When they went downstairs, they had a four-course meal served on china plates and drinks served in nice glasses. After all of the girls were seated Cola stood and walked over to a buffet table to start a recording. The recording was old and grainy, it started with clapping then screams of joy which played on speakers around the room, peace everyone. Father's voice boomed around the room. At this instance, I'm happy to be here.
Then the sounds of laughter and claps filled the room again. Even though there may be many not true followers of mine, who are not conscious of my ever and omnipresence. I have been here all the time. Kola nodded her head as father spoke and the other girls ate their food while listening to the recording. I did not just have to appear to be here to actually be here, father said. I did not have to just apparently come in to have been here all the time. Since it is written he was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world and not and you have declared I am he. I am here when you do not see me personally. The recordings changed from day to day and contained messages about how well the movement provided for the followers, at this particular instance I have reason to say there are many here who desire to dine here. Sufficient food has been provided and prepared for everybody to have full and plenty and be satisfied. Many of the recordings were more than 20 years old. They had been repeatedly played since the Great Depression, as if the world had never changed. They were of Father Divine talking before large groups of followers, at auditoriums or at different churches. They contained messages, like the movement will provide all you ever need. Stay in the peace mission if you want to be safe. To ever want for more than the movement has bestowed upon you is greedy. To ever fill your body with smoke or drink was sinful. For a woman ever to touch a man was lustful. For a man to touch a woman was lustful. For a man and a woman, even brothers and sisters to share company was considered a perversion of their number one rule, no undue mixing of the sexes. Susie spent a year receiving only the teachings of the peace mission movement. The girls and Cola told her that she had to aspire to be a rosebud so that one day she may bask in the presence of God. Susie was given gospel she could aspire to, blessed is the rosebud that cherishes her father's love above all else. Blessed is the rosebud in whose mouth is found no guile or idle chatter. Blessed is the rosebud who expresses her virtue in her daily deeds and actions, blessed is the rosebud whose mind is stayed in a positive direction, blessed is the rosebud who is not wasteful but is practical and profitable, blessed is the rosebud who does not always have the last word, blessed is the rosebud who denies herself with gladness, blessed is the rosebud who is respectable, quiet, sincere and truthful. Blessed is the rosebud who walks in the statutes of true Americanism, blessed is the rosebud whose all and all is her beloved Father Divine, two years had passed. Susie was busy studying commandments required of rosebuds when something very exciting happened. The girls were sitting in the living room working on their sewing, when Cola burst through the kitchen door and exclaimed, we have been called to his presence, she had to stop and catch her breath, then she continued. We have been called to a banquet at the Divine Lorraine Hotel and he will be there. The girls threw down their work and ran up the stairs. Excitement was in the air as the girls rushed around to get ready, pinning up their hair with their best ribbons and wearing their best dresses. The rosebuds donned their special vests, which granted them special access to the Heavenly Father. Sonia was already one of the blessed. Susie looked longingly at Sonia's vest, which she hoped to soon earn. They girls gathered in the parlor and waited for their town car to arrive from the Divine Lorraine Hotel. Do you think my brother will be there? Susie asked Sonia, why do you care? Sonia replied as she adjusted her red vest. Because he's my brother. You shouldn't be talking to him. And it's not like he cares about you. He lives at Woodmont with Father Divine. 
he can do whatever he wants and he's never even tried to call you. He doesn't care about you. Maybe he doesn't know where I am. She said, of course he does, Sonia said. They know everything at Woodmont. If I were you I wouldn't even talk to him. Susie hung her head, he didn't do anything to live with Father Divine and he left you behind. When the limo arrived the girls and Cola got in the back and rode down the street to the giant hotel. The girls got out, and walked past the awning to the grand lobby decorated with Grecian columns. The ceiling had thick molding decorated with Greek-inspired plaster accents. The only other time Susie had been to the Divine Lorraine Hotel was when her mama left her there. They walked through the lobby to the cascading marble staircase where we had been ripped away from each other. As a group, they ascended the ten flights of stairs and joined with the other followers jockeying for a seat at the banquet hall on the top floor. There was no elevator in the tall building, only two sets of staircases. The grand ballroom on the top floor had high ceilings that were a giant, rounded dome. Down the center, at the uppermost point of the room was a line of hanging pendant lamps, cascading down from elaborate white lattice work. The entire room was perfectly symmetrical. The Tiffany Blue Room had arched dormered windows that ran the length of the room and looked out over the city. Susie and the girls entered the room, and were shown to seats at a long oak table, covered in a fine white linen cloth. The tables had already been set with fine china edged in a silver pattern, over a silver charger. There were three silver forks to the right of each setting and one smaller fork over the plate. Each setting had a napkin shaped like a flower. Down the center of each of the long tables were rows and rows of fresh pink flowers. As they took their seats and removed the cloth napkins to be placed in their laps, the organist played. When the room was filled, with standing room only a man stood to the microphone at the front of the room and announced that father was in the building. Cheers erupted around the room and the sound of clapping echoed off of the walls. It was just as Susie had experienced on the recordings she listened to every night at dinner. Everybody in the room sat at the edge of their seats waiting for father to come. When the double doors at the end of the hall flung people jumped from their seats and shouted, Peace father, peace mother. Not a single person could contain their cheers, not even Susie. Father walked down the center aisle, dressed in a fine black pinstriped suit. Mother Divine, standing a whole head taller than him, walked at his side. She was wearing a shining pink dress, her blonde hair pinned up to perfection. Behind father was his group of secretaries, each in elegant long dresses. Then the brothers and in the mix of the brothers was Susie's own real brother, me. I was wearing a black pinstriped suit just like father. She saw me looking through the crowd at her, but she pretended she couldn't see me. Sonia poked her in the ribs when she noticed Susie trying to steal secret glances at me. Ignore him, she ordered. I continued down the aisle to the head table and took a seat next to Father Divine. The entire entourage filled in around us, men and women at opposite ends of the head table. After the excitement died down, Father motioned for everybody to sit and the organ music faded. Peace everyone, said Father, peace Father, the crowd answered. It is inherent upon me today to Master Tommy. Peace, Master Tommy, the group replied. Now we will engage in the blessing of our bounty, he said, 
father sat down and the waitstaff stepped forward to receive his blessing for every dish served. One by one they would place the serving dishes before him and he would place a spoon in every tray. Each one was then passed from table to table. After the blessing of the food, and before anybody could start eating, an older sermon of father's played on the speaker system. Susie managed to get through dinner, without looking at me. She only glanced occasionally, when she was sure Sonia wouldn't see her. And if I looked at her she quickly bowed her head down and pretended not to notice. After dinner, I tried to find her. I rushed through the crowd to the woman's table and found Susie surrounded by the girls she lived with. I was trying to get close enough to speak when I heard Sonia say, stay away from him. He thinks he's all that because he lives with Father Divine. Susie thought about seeing me at the head of the room dressed just like Divine. She thought I could call her any time, but never did. She turned her back on me then, thinking Sonia was right. And she vowed never to talk to me again, after that dinner Susie went home with the rest of the girls, she had a new understanding of her purpose. She saw the excitement of being in Father's presence and knew being closer to him was her only goal. The only path Susie could take to become closer to father was to become one of the virtuous, a rosebud. She dedicated herself to learning the creed and trying to live by each of the requirements to maintain her purity. Susie attended an all-girls school where she learned basic arithmetic and reading, but at home, she spent many more hours learning how to sew and cook. In the evening she dedicated her time to learning to be a rosebud. She had to memorize the pledge, she had to memorize the page's long creed. And above all she was to demonstrate that she was moral and pure in thought and in deed. The girls practiced the pledges until they were ingrained in their psyche. And when they'd had enough of that they would sing the peace mission approved songs. At the age of five she was called to her test to become a rosebud. She was called to a meeting in one of the smaller peace mission churches in downtown Philadelphia. In front of the other rosebuds, Cola and her housemates she stood before them to prove she was worthy. The rosebuds asked, Susie, is your heart pure and sweet and meek? Yes, Susie replied, are you a true virgin leaving only your heart fertile for the Lord to grow? Yes, Susie replied, Cola said, recite the pledge dear. Father Divine, God Almighty, we pledge our hearts to love you, our strength to serve you, our minds to be focused directly upon you, our lips to praise you, our lives to be sacrificed unto you, our sacred honor to acknowledge you in all our ways, that we may be with you throughout all eternity. One spirit, one mind and one body, lost and absorbed, once and forever, in your holy will. The girls cheered for Susie. She had done it. She was given her own red vest, tailored to her size, with a V embroidered on her chest to display her virtue. She had made it, reached the ultimate goal, like the rest of her friends. The girls would meet regularly to memorize all of the songs and routines they were to do at father's gatherings. She had done all of this so that she might be allowed to tour with Father Divine and be able to bask in his glory. That night at dinner Cola played a particularly important recording from father. It explained all of the reasons that Susie was to remain chaste. All humanity born by acts of sexual intercourse are wrong. When men learn to not be born, then they will also learn how not to die. Susie's work paid off, and shortly afterward she was invited to Woodmont. 
she had been there before, many years ago. When they came to the property many of the followers were gathered on the front lawn, preparing for a summer picnic. Susie and the other rosebuds were there to perform new songs that they had learned over the winter. As usual, their melodies that resembled other popular music of the time, but words like love and boyfriend were removed and replaced with father. When they pulled up to the property she was relieved to learn that I was not there. I had gone to the World's Fair. She filed out of the car, wearing her rosebud uniform just like her fellow sisters. She was ushered to the front lawn where father and mom were waiting. Other members of his entourage surrounded him. Susie was brought to father and given a moment to introduce herself before the next girl stepped forward to introduce herself. Susie stood on her tippy toes, leaned in and cupped her hands around her mouth and whispered to him as father leaned toward her. A photograph of this appears in Jill Watt's book, God, Harlem USA After they each got to greet him he watched as they went through their songs, after the show, they were taken on a tour of the property. Susie got to see the swimming pool. She and the other girls were chased by the feisty peafowl that roamed at the far corner of the grounds. She got to see the grand piano in the music room and father's red office. They were even shown the banquet room, where the meals were served. Susie's heart leaped at the thought that she might be included this time, but her hopes were disappointed. No invitation was extended to the rosebuds to stay for the banquet that evening. Before sundown, they were shown the way back to their town car and whisked back to the city. As they pulled away Susie looked out the window longing to stay. Cola smiled at her and said, One day Susie if you play your cards right. Susie left Woodmont, pleased that she had finally gotten to be in the presence of God, one September morning, they received a call from Woodmont. Cola answered the phone and the girls looked on as she took in the news. Her face fell. When she hung up the phone, she looked at the girls and said, Father has left his body here on earth so that he might rise again at another time. 